A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. Hey, it's another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. Great to have you with us today. I'm Walter alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor, president of Skybox Financial Group. We've got a great show on the way today. We're going to be talking about the Secure Act 2.0 may have heard it mentioned in the news over the last couple of weeks. It has been approved in Congress after nearly a year and a half of discussion. And so what does 2.0 look like? What is that going to uh, do potentially to your retirement savings opportunities, withdrawals, and some other important changes to the retirement planning landscape? We're going to dive into all of that on today's show. Plus, later on, we've got a question from Emily, who's retiring in a couple of years and wondering if she should start converting money to Roth. So we'll dive into that question as well. In our Getting to Know You segment today, we're talking about habits, ones we would like to break, not ones we'd like to create. So that'll be fun talking about that on today's show with Scott as well. Scott, what's going on in your world? How are you, my friend? You know, well, there's a lot of habits I'd like to create. Yeah, you know. to create, yes, 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 and make myself a better person with good habits. Right? What's what's harder to break a habit or create a new one? I think it's harder to break. I would think, right? Mm. Because you know, when when you're creating a habit, I mean, I one thing I'm pretty good at is I'm pretty good at, at focusing and committing to things and okay. following things through. And if I you know, I'm like a checklist guy, right? So every day I write down what I'm going to do. I'm, you know, very methodical when it comes to that. So I would think I could create the habit by just doing it every day until it mm. becomes a habit. Yeah. But uh, breaking it, different story. So the, the same thing that probably makes you good at creating new habits makes it more difficult to then break them because you're such a systems and processes kind of kind of person. Ironically, yes. Yeah, interesting. Okay. <laughs> well, well, we'll save the rest of that for when we get into the getting to know you segment. Find out the specific habit you'd like to to maybe break this year. See if there's anything on on your list of goals for the near future to do so. Uh, so we'll dive into that and much more on the way on today's show. But uh, let's dive into the Secure Act 2.0 first. Um, kind it. of a big deal here, Scott. Right, the in- initial Secure Act came down. If uh, memory serves me, right before the pandemic started. That was supposed to be the big news story in the retirement planning landscape throughout the pan, you know, throughout 2020. Obviously, that got derailed a little bit in terms of newsworthiness because of what happened. Uh, but then they started working immediately on Secure Act 2.0, a second iteration of that. So before we get into the specific changes that are in Secure Act 2.0 that we want to highlight today, um, just give a little background for folks who may not have been along for the ride of the original Secure Act, now the second iteration. Uh, what was it? What's its intention? And uh, what, what's kind of the high-level piece that people need to know about it? Well, so when we go back and look at the original Secure Act 1.0, as we call it now, um, you know, that went in effect at the beginning of 2020. And one of the big things that it did is forever the required beginning date of your required minimum distributions, RMDs, had always been at age 70 and a half. It's always weird they had that half year thing. And yes, then they the vaunted they, half year. It pops yes. up a lot in, uh, in, in financial planning, or at least used to, right? Yeah, yeah, they they've slowly gotten rid of halves 
except they still have the 59 and a half rule. Right. Um, That's but, the only one I was thinking about, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There's that you can, uh, you have to wait to age 59 and a half to get money out of your qualified retirement plans without having a 10% penalty. But they moved the 70 and a half when you have to start taking it out up to back to 72. And that was that was a big, big deal because it had not been moved in a while. And the other big thing with Secure Act 1.0, and, and you have to understand all these documents, like the Secure Act 2.0 is part of the budget, the Omnibus Budget Act. And this thing is 4,000 pages. I mean, I doubt the people that voted for it even read the whole thing. I mean, I can't see how they could. But when they passed the the new one, I mean, 1.0, the other big change was they got rid of these stretch IRAs, where it used to be when someone would pass away and, for instance, their children would inherit their IRA, they used to be able to stretch it out over their lifetime, all the tax liability. But then they shortened it down to 10 years, saying you have to have that money out by 10 years. And in Secure Act 2.0, which we'll get to, they've even made a little bit more twist on that, too. Mm. And you know, when it comes to all these things, Walter, it's very confusing. You know, Congress does a good job at passing those laws, but then it's up to the IRS to interpret them. And then sometimes it takes a while for the IRS to interpret what that law is. And a lot of the times when these things are passed, it may be six, eight months before there's clarification on certain rules. And we'll talk about that uh, as we go through. Very good breakdown of the original Secure Act, some of the main highlights from that one. So now let's see what has happened in 2.0, and we'll jump right into continuing that conversation about the RMD age, those required minimum distributions. You mentioned it was 70 and a half. Well, they're they're pushing it back again with this new legislation. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they're, they're pushing it, it actually back to 73 starting January 1st, 2023, and then... In 2034, they actually push it back to 75 at that point. So it's kind of a two-stage kind of a roll-in of the required minimum distributions. But so we went from 72, now we went to 73. And, you know, it's not always a great idea for everybody's situation to continue to defer your RMDs. Because the one thing you need to remember is that you are continuing to build tax liability in that account. If it's not going to be tax liability for you, it'll be tax liability for your children. So, yes, they push it back. But a lot of the times, maybe it makes sense that we start taking some of that money earlier. You know, delaying is not always a good thing in everybody's situation. Yeah, it's interesting. It's hard to wrap your brain around just as a little aside here, Scott. Like 2034. I know. That's a little ways off. (laughs) I know. Well, when I, when I talk and meet with clients, you know, when we talk about inflation, I say, well, hey, do you remember 40 years ago in the 1980s, you know, the cost of this, the cost of that? Well, so when you, when you're going, you know, 10 years in the future, you know, 11 years, it's really not that far. I mean, how many things are going to end up changing in the next 11 years? It's, it's crazy. It definitely is crazy to think about, but uh, I guess it's a good thing that we're looking into the future and making these kinds of plans and already structuring in the maybe necessary changes by the time we get to those dates. Although we'll probably be on Secure Act 7.0 at that point. So that's right. Have to see. 
All right, so uh, again, RMD age change, once again, a big piece of Secure Act 2.0. Something else that jumped out to us in this legislation as well, though, Scott, was the special catch-up contribution. A good, a good thing whenever they're giving us the chance to save more money, right? Right, right. And uh, so the, what this has to do is for contributions into retirement accounts. And what they did is they actually kind of this time around, it was always, you were always able once you were over age 50 to put a little bit more into a retirement account, not only on your, your IRAs and your Roth IRAs, but also your 401k plan. So what they did is they said, okay, we're going to allow once you were over age 50 for you to put an extra thousand dollars into your IRA or Roth IRA. So you can make a normal contribution of $6,500. And then once you're over age uh, 50, you can put an extra thousand dollars in. But what they did then is they added on to that further. And they said, starting in 2025, if you're between 60 and 63, you can actually have an extra $10,000 of contributions into your uh, 401k, I mean, into your IRA or your Roth. Uh, the 401k plans, they also cranked up a catch-up contribution there up to $7,500. So you can put a total into your 401k or your Roth 401k of $30,000 a year now. So they know people plan late for retirement. So they're giving you that opportunity to, to start putting money in more as you get closer to retirement. Yeah, it's a good thing. Um, so not all uh, not all changes that uh, you know get passed through the government end up being uh, you know bad or have negative consequences or cost you more money, I suppose. So this is a a helpful thing for folks to be able to save more. So that's a good good development there. It seems uh, one that I think has caught people's attention here, Scott, is what happened with the five twenty nine plans and some additional flexibility that they're going to give to folks who have saved into those kinds of accounts for education. What, what, what's all the what's the story with this development in Secure Act 2.0? Well, this one is a little bit fuzzy, actually. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. So we had always five twenty nine plans were originally intended for you to save for a child's education or a grandchild's education. You put the money in the the five twenty nine plan, and then that money grows tax deferred. And if it's used to pay for school that growth then comes out tax-free. So it was great to be able to fund colleges. I know I have them for my kids. What happens if your kid doesn't go to college or decides that, uh, or, or they go to a less expensive college and you don't use all that money? What would happen previously then is that you would have to then uh, take that money out and pay a penalty on it and taxes on the gains. So to alleviate that, they came out with this 529 to Roth transfer idea. And basically, right now, from what we know, is that if you have to have a 529 for at least 15 years, once you have it for 15 years, you can convert it over into a Roth IRA, but you can only convert the amount that you could do as a Roth IRA contribution. So you'd be capped to that $7,500 number a year. They also have a lifetime dollar amount of 35,000 as being the cap that you can go up to throughout your lifetime. So you can only do 35,000 of it into the Roth. But where it gets fuzzy and where we kind of need some more clarification from the IRS, 
are the beneficiaries. So let's say you set up a 529, you know, for your, your grandchild. Your grandchild never goes to school, and you decide, you know, that you want to convert that over into a Roth. The way that it appears right now is that that Roth IRA needs to be in the beneficiary's name. In other words, your grandchild's name. But where where it's fuzzy is how many, where can you, can you switch the beneficiary? In other words, it's very, you right now can make yourself the beneficiary of that Roth IRA. But then, I mean, of that 529 plan. But then the question is going to be, can you convert that into a Roth IRA? So that's where it's a little bit fuzzy. We need a little bit more clarification on it, but it's a neat idea. We're just going to have to see, and it could be a great planning opportunity for some people. Um, we're just going to have to see how it all kind of lays itself out. I like that uh, they're at least being uh, kind of creative here, right? Like trying to build in a little bit more flexibility for people. So even if it's fuzzy and maybe not the cleanest uh, piece of the equation here, at least it's Right, like it's a it's a little something like yeah. we're trying to give people a little bit of direction and uh, you know more control over their dollars. Like that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you know most of most of the things in the Secure Act two point you know, are kind of hidden revenue generators too for the IRS for the oh, Congress. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, this one you know appears not to be. So you know that's kind of interesting because they're saying, hey, you know what, we're going to let you keep that tax free money and continue, you know, to use it in a Roth fashion. So it, that's interesting. We'll take it. Uh, last but not least, and, and there were more changes in Secure Act 2.0, by the way. We're just kind of highlighting a couple of the big ones that we think will impact the most listeners on the show today. Um, but the, the fourth big change we want to address is the 401k match inside your company plans. They made some changes there, Scott? Yeah, they certainly did. And it's one that I always was wishing it would happen. And there's a couple components to this match. The first one, and where I think is the biggest one, is actually that you, the employer, can now contribute the match to the Roth portion of your 401k plan. So previously, what would happen is you would put, let's say you're putting 10% of your paycheck into the Roth or tax-free portion of your 401k, then the employer, when they made their match, whatever they're making, dollar for dollar up to three or whatever the percent was, that was go going to always have to go into the pre-tax regular 401k bucket. So you couldn't get a tax-free match. They've since changed that and that now the employer, you're going to have the option as the employee to select whether you want that money to go into the Roth portion or go into the regular pre-tax portion. And I'm talking about the employer's matching contribution. So now you can pick. You can have that employer matching contribution go into the Roth tax-free. Now, there's there's also one little stipulation, something I want to point out to everybody. If you choose to have it go into the Roth portion, you are going to have that extra match added to your W-2 at the end of the year. So you will be taxed on that money if the employer does make the match to the Roth. So that's something you need to be aware of. And when it comes to tax planning, it's something we've already made our clients aware of. Now, a lot of, you know, obviously it's just passed. There's I there's no companies out there yet allowing Roth contributions. They got to build out the systems. It'll take months before that even starts rolling online. And it's optional. Um, 
you know, as far as a timeline on what they get this thing implemented. So, you know, it may be six months before this option shows up in your 401k plan, but that's something you need to be aware of. And the other big change to the 401k match involves student loans. So for younger people that are making student loan payments, um, let's say, for instance, you're making a, a $300 a month student loan payment. Now that can count as a contribution for the to the 401k for matching purposes. So in other words, when you make that student loan payment, I think the IRS, I mean, the Congress's idea here is that you're paying student loans instead of putting it into your 401k plan. So we're still going to allow that dollar to be matched with the employer contribution. So if you make that $300 payment and your employer was matching 50% on your 401k, then you could actually have 150 added into your 401k based off that $300 student loan payment. Very cool. So that, again, a good recap of those 401k changes. Any Anything else in Secure Act 2.0 that jumped out to you, Scott, that you want to share? Or this is a, a, good enough, a good enough high-level view, and more so the other changes are going to be more uh, more specific basis for individual clients coming in that, that might be affected by you know some small things here and there. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different things in there. I mean, they're changing that you can now make qualified charitable distributions from your uh, IRA, you can now make that into a charitable remainder trust. They've done a lot of different things in there, but I think the what you know, we mentioned here is probably the biggest thing. There are some exceptions, taking out money early out of retirement plans that they added in, like for personal and family emergencies and victims of domestic abuse they added in. Um, but I think those those are going to be the biggest ones. You know, there are. I created a white paper, and and if you do want a copy of our white paper on the Secure Act 2.0, uh, you can always you know send us an email or give us a call or go to our website and request a copy of that Secure 2.0 uh, white paper, and it it outlines 15 different changes uh, that are going to affect your retirement from the new secure act 2.0. So there are plenty more things we can get into that, you know, we're simply for the lack of time. And, uh, this podcast, we won't one word of warning though. I will tell everybody because there's been so many rule changes, much of what you're going to find on the internet, including the IRS's own website is out of date. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. That's not so good. no, yeah, absolutely. So, so if you have questions about it, contact us directly, you know, we're, we're more than happy to go over how this might affect you personally. Don't rely on a Google search on this because, you know, it's out of date in the IRS. I mean, you know, they're the government. They're a little slow on getting things done. So Very good. Yeah. Well, if you want to get that white paper, just get some more of that direct information from Scott or even just have a conversation about your situation, how Secure Act 2.0 might impact you even further, uh, feel free to reach out and have that talk. A couple of ways you can do that, go to talktoscott.com. That's talktoscott.com. You can schedule a time to visit right there on the site, or you can call 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. All right, more coming up on today's show. Up next, we're going to get to know Scott a little bit better, talking about habits, and we're going to answer a question from one of our listeners as well. It's getting to know you time. All right, so here is this episode's getting to know you question, Scott, and uh, we're talking about habits as we teased a little bit earlier on. So 
Uh, what's a habit that you want to break, but you haven't been able to do so yet? Well, just like majority of stuff in my life, it seems to always circulate around food. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with snacking. Uh, oh, man. I'm a snacker. That's I a mean, hard one to break, isn't it? I I know. I mean, it, it's and I I think I'm. If I were to be psychoanalyzed, I think I'm a uh, I'm a bored snacker, right? You're watching TV and and mm. you just I I think I do it for something to do to snack. So I've been trying to break that snacking habit. And my favorite snack those darn potato chips. Which uh, which kind? What's your go to? Oh, I like just go- I like ruffles. Ruffles, plain old oh, wow. ruffles. Okay. All right. Yeah, they're thicker. They're salty. Yeah, mm, yeah. No, I'm, I'm a, a ruffles, ruffles fan in a while. Yeah, okay. I'm old school. Nice, that's good. Uh, well, there you go. Well, so, well, do your best. You can, you know, how many how many ruffles do you have a week? Can you just cut it in half? As a, well, as because a I have I have been trying. I only right now have them once a day, so I'm trying to break okay. that habit. But yeah, I, I would I would have them several times a week, just a little bowl, and. Uh, but now I'm trying to break that. So now I, I one day a week I allow myself to have some ruffles. Nice. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I'll say I, I pick my fingernails a lot. And it's, really? I, I try to get better at it. And uh, it annoys the crap out of Connie. But um, And it just really, I mean, I have like really rough looking fingers. So... <laughs> Wait, be, do you, so do you eat them? Or I don't like, bite you them. Know, no. You don't I bite just, them? I, I pick at them with the other fingernails. And so... They end up just getting all maimed and ugly looking. Well, you and you and you. I don't know why I can't just learn to use fingernail clippers. I just, (laughs) I just refuse to use them. Connie has given them to me as Christmas presents before, as like a hint to try and be like, here, use this like an adult. But for some reason, I just prefer to just pick at them. Just rip it right off. <laughs> just rip them off. <laughs> so my fingers always hurt because, I, you know, too much of it comes off and all that kind of stuff. So Right. And then you, you get like the corner of it starts bleeding. Yes, you got it. And they're oh. all uneven and they get caught on things and the cuticle, cuticles get all messed up. So Walter, you're a mess. I am a mess. I am a mess. <laughs> I think it's just like, you know, having an office job, if you will, and just sitting sitting around all day talking to people on the radio and podcasts and, you know, editing and doing things like that. There's just like, there's a lot of listening involved and there's a lot of just like, you know, pondering and just, that's my pondering is just like, maybe it's a nervous thing. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, oh, well. fingernail picking. I need to do better on that. <laughs> Thanks for sharing, Walter. Yeah, you're welcome. This is really gross, I'm sure, for a lot of people that listen to. Let's uh, let's move to a listener question, shall we? We've got a good one on the docket today from Emily. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, so here is Emily's question. Emily says, "I'm 60, and I'm probably retiring in five to six years. Should I start converting as much of my IRA to Roth?" as I can. Well, Emily, that is a fantastic question. And, you know, it, it's like with a lot of listener mailbag questions on this show, Yeah, you know, there's a lot of variables in here. But from a 30,000 foot view, absolutely, you should start to build that tax-free money as soon as you can. The one thing I would warn you, though, is you got to analyze your brackets a little bit. You want to make sure you're not going to end up paying too much in taxes or move yourself into too much of a bracket because when you do that IRA to Roth conversion, that does get added onto your taxable income for the year. So you need to be careful. So I would work with somebody to make sure you work within the brackets 
do that conversion for sure is a great idea, especially with five to six years to go to retirement. And then once you get into retirement, uh, you can even convert more, assuming that you can artificially drop your income down a little bit by using taxable accounts to fund your retirement along with Social Security or, or whatever that you're going to be using. Maybe you have a pension. So yes, absolutely great idea, but I would definitely advise you get some professional help to make sure that you're doing it the right way and you're not doing too much because once you do it, you can't go back. And the other thing to be careful of is once you... Uh, you know, once you do, if you convert after 65, I know that's, you know, five years from now, but you said, you know, retiring in five, six, and uh, you have to be careful that you don't create the uh, IRMA tax too, which is taxation on the uh, premium of your Medicare. So be careful. Great question, Emily. Thanks for sending that one in. Are you getting more and more questions like that, Scott, about Roth conversions and, and moving money into Roth or, or contributing to Roth in the first place versus traditional? Are people starting to feel a little bit more of like a tax pinch or, I don't know, is that becoming a more popular question these days? Well, you know what, Walter? It's something that we always focused on here in our firm anyway was doing tax planning. So, you know, it's always been at the forefront for our clients. And more and more, I've had other people coming in saying, hey, I want to take care of this big tax problem that I have. And then, the, you know, the book that I wrote, the you know, Ticking Tax Time Bomb, you know, talks about that. It talks about having that, you know, that basically we're just deferring all those taxes to later on. And people are starting to get the message and tax rates may go up in the future and you keep pushing off paying the taxes to probably higher rates in the future. So yes, more and more people are starting to really get involved and ask more questions. And we get a lot more new clients coming in because of the tax planning that we do that uh, a lot of financial advisors don't. All right, very good. Well, there you have it. A great episode today, breaking down Secure Act 2.0 and Emily's great question about Roth and converting money into that form inside of her IRA. Uh, so lots of good topics covered on today's show. If it leaves you with any additional questions or if we haven't covered something here on the podcast that you've got questions about and would like to walk through it one-on-one -on -one with Scott and the team at Skybox Financial Group, very easy to reach out. Once again, you can check the description of today's show for contact info or call Scott at 888-742-0111 and online at talktoscott.com and schedule a free consultation right there from your smartphone or computer. That's simply talktoscott.com. Scott, thanks for all the help on the show this week and uh, we'll look forward to catching up again in a couple weeks. It's always a pleasure, Walter. All right, enjoyed it very much, sir. And uh, thanks for everybody else joining us today as well. For Scott and Walter, and we'll see you next time on the Retirement Toolbox. Go Cavs. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.